Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel, joined by Ben McDonald. It is Tuesday the 11th of April 2023. This is episode 254. Damon, how are you? Ah, good, good. Um, It's uh, 6pm my side. Uh, Joel is, is, uh, he's he's wiping the sleepies from his eyes. It's like fucking five o'clock in the morning. So, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous what we do, but we do it for what does Brian Adams say? We do it for you. Do it for you. Uh, busy show today, huh? We got a lot to cover. We have uh, a lot of exciting changes and weirdness and fun and frivolity, right? 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 Everybody's hanging on our every word to say what we think of. All the events that have happened. Okay, terrific. All right, I had to do that. I have more sound clips that I'll be playing throughout the day. <laughs> like an annoying prick. I'm going to start off with a, a confession. Oh, I did something very, very bad. Uh, Welke, friend of the show, says, "Please, Joe, apologize to Dame for failing to secure the Ray Lil Black follow on Twitter." Are you familiar with this? Person, Ray Little Black. Rave? You see, you're saying rave? Uh, okay, I'll send you. Right. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. I'll send it to you on WhatsApp. Please, please. Um, uh, we were what? Why this person followed us? What's are you story? familiar with this person? All right, let me see. Ray Little 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 Black. All right, let me do, let me now type that into the Google box. Let's see who we got here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, there we are. And there's she, a Japanese movie star. Japanese a movie star. Let's see what she's up to. It's a particular type of movie. Ah, uh, let me guess. Uh, her Instagram just says pure fucking. Was it Ramagedim? All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, Pornhub. Here we are. All right. Let's see. We got wowzers. All right. Let's see. Yep. So, uh, so some of you listeners may already know, or you probably figured out by uh, Damon's reactions here that this is a, an adult movie star. So what sure is, is. The, the connection to the Super J cast? Well, I'm going to send you a tweet, Damon. All right. And you tell the, the wonderful listeners what you can see, because I can't view this tweet anymore. Really? I'm just going to have to send you the link. Uh, oh, looks like uh, somebody was in the house 
for a historic match just the other day. Just the other day. Uh, right, so this is a, uh, uh-huh. it's a very popular and successful uh, adult movie star, uh-huh. Ray Lil Black. And not only that, but she was also in attendance at, at Sapphire Genesis. So I got really excited when I saw this and I was like, wow, what what an opportunity here. You know, the brand synergy of uh, <laughs> Super J cast. <laughs> I thought, okay, now we can uh, have a, a successful working collaboration here. You know, we can promote each other's work. So I, uh, so who's, it was Spanner who sent me this. He, we actually were talking about friend of the show, Liam, who was, in Japan, who is in Japan at the moment, oh. didn't go to Sakura Genesis, instead went to the opening night of the Champion Carnival for some Ooh. <laughs> godforsaken <laughs> reason. Why Why would he do that? Why? I don't know. But the point is, uh, Spanner replied saying, okay. oh, you could have well, sat next to a, a porn star. Uh, she's beautiful. I thought that she is stunning. Right. Uh, she apparently likes cock, too. That's a, that's a plus, right? Who doesn't? Uh, there she is with a little, in a little threesome action. With another young lady. Uh, yeah, we got to find a way to make this happen, Joel. <laughs> we, well, no, I've, I've ruined it already. So I I replied to this one. This one's all right. This one's all right. I dig this one. <laughs> we could we could we could definitely use this uh, type of listenership. That is for fucking sure. So anyway, Damon, I replied to this week and I said, what on earth? Why is she not following us? Sort it out at Ray Lil Black. This is the ultimate in potential brand synergy. And she blocked me. Oh, no. Did she really? Oh. Where did I go wrong? I don't know. I mean, come on. I thought, uh, wow. How? Why? Oh, all right. There are two two potential explanations here from uh, Spanner here. It says, that's because you support (laughs) anti-cummer, the Aaron, that or she works for a competitor of Tenga. So it's got to be one of those two. Listen, I will fucking, uh, whatever she's selling, I'm buying. Let's put it that way. So uh, we got to find a way. How about, uh, can uh, one of our listeners find a way? Maybe one of our, (laughs) one of our fine uh, people who can uh, maybe construct a sentence or two in Japanese. And uh, explain who we are and what we do and how we're big fans and how we meet her on board. Got to make this happen. Come on. Jesus. Can you imagine how great that would be if we could get her on the show? Oh, my God. I, I mean, you, what do you think? Have you listened to a clip yet of her? Uh, can, she, can she speak a little English? Because I can't speak any Japanese. I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with her work. I would, I'll definitely do my homework. Yep. <laughs> Me too. A, a deep dive into the content. Yeah, I'm all about this. This is nice. This is nice. Uh, yeah, um, she's getting like triple teamed in this one. Nice. All right, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she seems like a good egg. So uh, let's let's see what we can do to make that happen. I'm I, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. But. David, yeah. David speaking of good eggs. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So they came. Those. Uh, and so did you, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I fucking hated it. It was so terrible. I'm not going to lie. It was like having like this big 
hunk of silicone wrapped around like and like once it's on your dick it's like what do you do with it like how do you even because i'm let me ask you a question are you a full stroke kind of guy or i i feel like i only use about one quarter of my dick right i don't go all the way down and all the way up do you yeah, I think scientists say that that humans only use um, one quarter of their dick. And <laughs> I think it's the other brain. <laughs> oh no, I think I've mixed up with something yeah. else. Yeah, sorry, I'm just uh, crossing Tenga off the list of potential sponsors of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You've absolutely buried I'm them. Sorry, but I just—it it wasn't for me. No, it was not for me. It was actually more of a like it was like it was probably my longest session because I couldn't. It, 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 I couldn't come. I couldn't. I couldn't. It was just so uncomfortable and so, uh, like I, I like the, during the whole thing. I, I'm like, what's the point of this? Like, what am I doing? Maybe it was that. Maybe I just, I couldn't get that out of my fucking head. It. I don't know. But it didn't. It didn't feel great. It didn't feel different. It felt worse. And I had this. It was terrible. But I made sure that I that I. I was like, I bought these things. I, I gotta, I gotta find a way to finish it, and I finally, finally did. But it took forever. Oh, well, congratulations! Thank you, buddy. That's, that's <laughs> a determination and perseverance. Uh, you got six. Is that correct? Yes, I gave two to my friends who came over on Friday. Okay. Uh, as, yeah. I was going to say we could give the others away like a, as a, a prize. We could have some sort of competition. And I mean, I have at least two more. Anyways. I have at least two more. So. Uh, you know, if anybody wants them, I'll send them to you. I don't give a shit. Um, it, they're not for me. They're not for me. It was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, that was the sound of my. Face. Yeah, I get it. Right. There you go. Oh my god! Stop it. Okay, this is stop now. All right, there we go. Right, fine. It's got a mind of its own. It really does. All right. Uh, Let's move on then, because we do have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, first of all, I just so it's something we discussed off the air. Can we tempt you mm. with a trip to London Ooh. to Wembley Stadium to see the AW show all in the summer? Because I will be in the UK at that point, uh. fingers crossed, and I'm considering making the trip up to London, even though it is an AEW show and there's no guaranteed New Japan presence. But how likely do you think it is that we do see some? New Japan pro wrestlers on this Wembley show. I think it's safe to say that we will be seeing uh, more than a few on that show. Let's put it that way. I can't imagine not. I mean, uh, by God, uh, don't we have a a U.S. IWGP U.S. champion uh, that needs a title defense? Maybe we'll have it still uh, around that. Here's the dilemma that I have, though. So in that same venue, Blur is playing. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to fly over, why don't I fly over for Blur? But then you said, you know, you might probably will be going and Dan will be there. And that'll be the first time all three of us are together. (sighs) So trust me, it's in my head uh, to make it. The problem is, is, is money and flights and all that bullshit. Um. But let's put it this way. I'm, I'm thinking of, of it. But that's a six-hour flight 
it's going to be the longest flight for a long time, and I got to I got to psych myself up for it. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a uh, definitely maybe. How about that? Definitely maybe, and then uh, all three of us will be together, and we'll uh, we'll exchange eggs. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> that would be pretty epic. That would be the third country we've uh, had a yeah Jcast meetup. So that's true too. That is true too. And you know, here's another thing too. Like I know I know Cheryl will want to go. So I don't know. I got to figure it out. We'll figure it out. Maybe uh, maybe a uh, sugar daddy is out there <laughs> to uh, <laughs> pay my way. <laughs> be nice. Uh, maybe we had a, maybe we had a, enough donations. For uh, a first class trip <laughs> for, for Uncle Damon, hop over the pond. Probably not, but okay. Um, so you're going to be there at that time, right? You, yeah, yeah, you are. Damn. Yeah, I, I will be in Devon, so it's a bit of a journey up there. Mally says she's not interested in going. She doesn't really want to go up to London, so I'll probably mm-hmm. be going solo. So I'm just sort of looking into the options, whether it's going to be train or whether I'll drive up. Um, but mm. it's looking most likely it's going to be me and editor Dan. So we will be there. Hope you can join us as well. And uh, listeners, if you're planning on being there, do get in touch and we can organize some sort of meetup where you can pay for our drinks. Yeah. That sounds like a plan. That sounds like a real That's good plan. All right. All right. Where are we going here? Viral Viper says, what is happening? Why are Noah, NJPW and All Japan linking up? So there was a little teaser video clip that was posted by social media accounts from all three companies and i'm assuming that this is going to be a version of their all together show which i think they did one in 2011 after the was it the earthquake and tsunami so there was sort of a charity mm-hmm. element to that and i think they did another one in 2012 as well if i'm not mistaken um how are you feeling about this you do you expect something similar yeah i mean i think we'll see Plenty of tag matches, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we'll see some interesting uh, singles matches that would be dream match like. But I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> if past, if past performance means anything, and history means anything, we probably aren't going to get that. But um, I think, I think everyone does enjoy them. Uh, if you're a new Japan fan, if you're a, a, a bigger fan of other promotions it's usually a frustrating time <laughs> because you know your fuckers are looking at the lights that's for sure so uh yeah i i would say on a scale of one to ten i'm probably at a six or a seven in my excitement maybe that's why we have a new iwgp world heavyweight champion maybe okada was not interested mm. They're like, hey, do you want to do some an, an interpromotional tag match with all Japan? No, guys, ah, yeah. fuck that. Just take the belt off me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, that was, uh, I mean, listen, if, if that's uh, the elephant in the room, right? That's the uh, big news of the week, I'm sure, is that uh, title change that you, if I'm not mistaken, were on top of. Long before a lot of people, right? So I think uh, I think you deserve a little bit of a victory lap, don't you? Now, I do. Should we work backwards then? Should we go? Should we go straight into the Sacrogenesis main event? Yeah. Or should we build up to it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's the big news. We can't dance around it. That's the uh, that's what people want to hear. I would think uh, our thoughts and uh, look. 
I uh, I never thought this day would come. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I never thought this day would come. If you asked me a year ago, if you asked me six months ago, uh, I would honestly give you there is no fucking way. Slap a new coat of paint and uh, change things up a little bit with factions. And by God, looks like you got a new guy. This guy, I don't necessarily have a problem with. Uh, the guy six months ago, yep. But I don't know if this it reinvigorated him, gave him uh, purpose. I don't know. I, I Who fucking knows? Maybe he owed somebody money and finally paid off the debt. Whatever it is, the guy's not the same guy. I know the name is the same, but he's not the same guy. Uh, it's amazing that uh, he's he's holding the top belt. It's a, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's that risky from a Japanese perspective. I mean, I, I'm not Japanese, so I mean, I'm assuming a lot of things. But from everything we've heard, he's uh, pretty over. And you know, if you're taking. Sakura Genesis as a, a, a temperature gauge. You know, that crowd was red hot for him. Um, I know everybody's walking on eggshells. I know everybody's a little nervous about it. I, I'm, I'm, I am too. I am too. Uh, but I got to give the guy credit. You know, he, he does feel, he feels a thousand percent more important even without the title, the title shoots him into the sky. Uh, but even without the title, he seemed like a changed guy. He seems like a different guy. Uh, and that is very refreshing indeed. Yeah, there's definitely the presentation aspects of it. Uh, I mean, Neil writes in and says, please discuss how Sonata's new entrance music is the perfect theme song for the upcoming Just Five Guys 90s sitcom. Uh, so yeah, he's got the new entrance, he's got the new theme, the new trunks. I thought that looked really nice. Um, yeah, I thought the the robe and the gear that looked great. The music yep. that was like generic shonen anime theme number eight. That's my only complaint. I didn't love the music, but the rest of the presentation absolutely on point. And you know, maybe this is the moment where Sanada finally clicks with foreign fans of the company. And look, I've been saying on this show for feels like two years now that he is gradually improved and, and tightened up his work and you know what a vindication of that here he was a, a changed man out there like you say he was showing confidence and, and pride and aggression previously unseen and, and I think that was well marked by him fucking off the usual feeling out process and just dropping Okada's head onto the concrete at ringside after two minutes of the match that that was great you know this is no more respectful plucky 2019 underdog challenger Sonata. this is a guy who went out there carried himself like a man who you know, believed that he was better than Kazuchika Okada. You know, he wasn't going to be punked out like Kaito Kiyomiya. And <laughs> the, the match, it wasn't like a, a work rate classic that is going to make match of the year ways with uh, non-New Japan watchers. But I thought it was a really brilliantly told story with Sanada's transformation, just peaking at the perfect time. Like you said, he had the crowd on the palm of his hand. I thought Okada was the, the perfect opponent. He worked that disrespectful heel champion really well with his facial expressions 
slapping on the money clip and the money clip that's become a, a brilliant narrative device for Okada, like a, a calculated insult to opponents that he feels are beneath him. Right. And all this I thought brought out the best in Sonata and I loved all the little callbacks to his history, you know, the G1 win in Osaka with the rounded body press, his LIJ debut in Sumo Hall with a TKO on the very same person back in 2016 the thumbs up, which Okada flashed at him after the KOPW match in 2019. The shining wizard as a nod to his mentor, Keiji Muto. Taichi giving him all the motivation at ringside. And as I mentioned before, the deadfall, the icing on the cake, handcrafted to be the, the perfect counter to the Rainmaker. And yeah, you know, a little bit of a victory lap for me. I called that exactly last week. Just the whole match was structured to be like a love letter to Sanada's time in New Japan and his rivalry with Okada. And I just found it a really, an incredibly rewarding payoff for freaks like us who pay attention to all this shit. Kikuchi's done it again, Damon. <laughs> so yeah, people are excited about this. Forno says, how does Sonata's new looking character shift resonate with you and Damon? Is it an improvement? Also, how's Damon's home bar doing? And Louis says, my question is if Damon is thumbs in or thumbs out on Sonata as IWGP champion. So yeah, I mean, I think you've, you covered that at the start. What did you think of the actual match? I thought the match was very good. Um, I don't know if it, you know if it's going to be one of those matches that uh, I would go back and watch again and again. But I thought the match was was great. It had fantastic energy. Like it, it, it truly was one of those things where, and we talked about it last week. Um, you're every fall, you're kind of holding your breath, and that's at the, and that closing stretch. Where it was, you know, Rainmaker reversal, reversal of a reversal, and you know that constant uh, one-upsmanship, and then finally putting them away with, yeah, with arguably the best counter to uh, a Rainmaker than that that you that you could think of, tailor made for it, and it's almost as if it was made for just that. Uh, I thought Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton were outstanding once again. Um, their excitement got me excited. It was great. It was really great. I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't think it's my favorite match, probably not even of this year, but like, I thought it was super solid. I think Sonata, like I said, that he, he, I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with this Sonata holding the big boy belt. Uh, now, how long will that be? I don't know. And again, the jury is still out. He had a he had you know maybe the best dance partner he could possibly have. You know, let's see what he can do on his own. Um, a side note: the bar is fine, uh, but I don't know. If, I don't know if I've mentioned this uh, publicly, and I know Joel knows, but uh, I don't think I've mentioned it publicly. But why not? Uh, being that we're asking about the bar, the uh, bar is great. Uh, but I am, uh, I think it's 11 weeks, 11 weeks sober. I've not had a drop of alcohol since middle of January. So yay me. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't miss hangovers. That's for fucking sure. Uh, you know, you know, and people ask me like, Oh, is this forever? I don't know. I don't know. I know tomorrow. I know today I'm not drinking and I'm probably not drinking tomorrow. Um, and I, that's how I see it. It's just a choice. And, you know, and there's no rhyme or reason other than, quite honestly, I got fucking sick and tired of making, you know, of being that guy. I just don't want to be that guy anymore. 
So there's that. There you go. So Sonata gets a big win. And me too. I get a win too. Yay, me. Okay, terrific. If I'm not mistaken, Chris, our friend of the show, Chris Samsa, he was uh, talking about that when he was on the show. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean. I think he's uh, celebrating a, a long time sober as he well. Is. Um, so he is. I mean. It's, maybe that could be the new Super J-Class gimmick. We can ditch the strong zeros and be the. I have bought a lot of tea recently. Uh, I will say this, that Chris was a bit of an inspiration, honestly. Um, just talking to him about it. I, again, the time's got to be right for people. and But it, it's just I, I just made a choice. That's all. Um, so there you go. But yeah, Chris, um, congratulations to him. Uh, let's, see, let's see what I can do with it. Wonderful. Um, okay. Pro Wrestling V1 says, do you think Sonata will prove to be a draw in Japan? I see little risk in shaking things up. They can still run Okada and Tanahashi on top when they come to the States, which is correctly a lesser priority. Yeah, I think it'll be fine in Japan. I don't, again, I think he's a hit with the domestic crowd. I don't think there's any danger of the attendances dropping off or anything while he's on top. But um, I am quite curious about what this means for the U.S. shows and how he will be received as champion in the States? Well, I mean, obviously he doesn't have the name recognition that a Tanahashi or an Okada has, but, you know, I think he's above what Jay White was starting at, right? Um, Look, it's all about presentation, and it's all about re-education. And it's, you know, if he looks like a champion and wrestles like a champion and, you know, fires on, on all cylinders as a champion, then he's a champion. I don't think, I, let's put it this way. I don't think anybody's going to be fucking hand-waving Sonata as much as uh, he would have if he had won it, you know, six months ago, eight months ago, a year ago. Uh, he's he's a different guy. He's definitely a different guy. So I think... Um, I think it'll be good um, for the people who already have tickets, but um, I mean, I don't necessarily think he's the guy that's going to bring people in, but, you know, aside from the people who already watch, you know, who is aside from, you know, people that people are already familiar with, you know, through AEW and stuff like that. So, um, I think it's a, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's a, to me, that's an unfair uh, want because there's really not a guy on that New Japan roster that you could say the same for, can you? No. Um, and I think there's a lot of questions about this reign itself and how long it's going to last. Um, again, we've got a question from RSK who says, got to think, what is next for Sonata? Will he drop the belt at Dominion or keep it longer? I mean, particularly, Tammy, looking ahead to Forbidden Door. Like, yeah. Is this is Sonata going to be walking out of the, the Forbidden Door event as champion? Because that would certainly be interesting if he is. Um, Stuart says, who do you think is most likely to challenge Sonata at Dominion, Naito or Takagi? Also, any predictions and wants for Sonata's title reign? So, how do you see this reign playing out, Damon? Do you think this is just the standard cup of coffee reign to legitimize the new guy and his new faction, and then he's going to lose it at the next big show? Or do you see him 
holding this into the G1 and Forbidden Door and maybe even Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of lean toward the first suggestion only because of past history, right? Um, and you've seen that all the way from, you know, guys like Ricky Choshu to Naito, you know, just that cup of cough evil, you know, not a super long. Jay White's first reign. What's that? Uh, Jay White's first reign. Jay White's first reign. Yeah. I mean, there is a, a history with this company of kind of making that first one, maybe not as long as one would hope or would want. Um, and again, that's not every champion, mind you, but um, there is that that's there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, if, if, I kind of feel like if I said it, it'll be a short reign. And again, I don't know. But like if I were to say it was a short reign, it, it, I don't want it to come across as me shitting on the guy. Um, it's just what New Japan does. Uh, but I kind of... F- if like it, the, putting that super J cast branded gun to my head, I would, I would say it's probably shorter. Now, if you're in the camp of, you know what, it'll be longer and he'll go into forbidden door with it. And you know what that does is that it does open up possibilities and a little bit more flexibility for a guy like Okada to have a match with maybe an AEW guy or, or you know, the, the possibilities of dream matches kind of opens up when you don't have the, the burden of a title. So it, 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 it's, it might be a blessing in the skies if, in fact, Sonata still holds the title going into Forbidden Door. Um, look, it looks like it's Hiromu that's... Uh, going to be the next challenger, you know, after he gets past the the uh, Kanemaru thing uh, for the junior title. I mean, that has, a, that has interesting possibilities for sure. Um, I mean, let's put it this way, you know, aside from Bushi, everybody else in that fucking uh, faction is, <laughs> has held that title. So, why not? Give it to Hiromu! Uh but I just think it's interesting and it's different and it's fun and it's it's not the same old, same old. And I'm, I, I, I embrace that. I love that. So uh, keep me guessing. So to answer the question, I think it's going to be short, but uh, I have no problems with it, again, going into the summer and him still holding the title. Yeah, I think I'm sort of leaning towards him dropping it at Dominion. I don't know to whom. I think... Hiromu would be a very bold choice. Maybe they're going to finally pull the trigger on that, have Naito win G1 and face Hiromu as uh, champion at uh, Tokyo Dome. But yeah, there's plenty of opportunities. I think you know, something like Sonata defending against Naito at Dominion. Um, yeah, Shingo would be an interesting pick. It does seem that the theme for the next couple of months is going to be just five guys feuding with LIJ. So I suspect it's going to be some form of that. But um, last word on this, Damon, what would you say to all the people who've not been following New Japan, who are now seeing the news about Sanada being the new champion and being like, ugh, Sanada's the champion, the company's dead, rah, rah, rah. Shows me I got it. I got those texts. Um, so, look, you just, you shrug your shoulders. I mean, it, it's just really what it is, is like a, a key indicator that that people don't watch, right? 
I mean, if anybody's saying that, you're not watching the Pronark. Uh, I mean, that being said, I have struggles with Sonata, um, this version of, of Sonata. Not so much, but again, the, the, there's still plenty to kind of sort out in my mind of him being a, the guy. Uh, look, I, I, you know, people talk about, you know, the people that were on top when when they got involved with New Japan. That was years ago. And years ago in pro wrestling is like like dog years. <laughs> you know, it's just it's forever. They got to they got to make stars. What like what are they, they you can't have the same fucking shit. Even though it was great, you know, it, it still gets long in the tooth. It's just you can't. You can't do it. Um you're going you're going to die a slow death if you do. I think this is the smartest thing that they they could do. Uh, and again, I'm I'm willing to hold out and see what let's put it this way. I know that there is a a large body of work that one can judge Sonata. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a try. Cuz I'm going to tell you right now, I think it's like I'm more excited for this than say, you know, Jay White. I, I you know, I think the possibilities of 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 great matches is even better than than what Jay would have brought to the table. I'm I'm totally fine with it. I really am. And I'm and I'm willing to give him a shot and I hope other people do. If not, you know, okay. I mean, I'm not going to I'm going to twist your arm, but I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. Uh, and again, one match. But let's see what the guy's got. Let's give him a shot. I got no problem with it. And let's work backwards then. The eighth match was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match with Hiromu Takahashi defeating Robbie Eagles in 21 minutes, 12 seconds with the time bomb two. So Hiromu successfully retains the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Now, we've said on this podcast many times that Robbie Eagles is one of the best in the company at the leg match and chains together that offense that make his his uh, control period so fun to watch. So he brought the new attitude, being a new member of TMDK, and, and ruthlessness to this match, which I thought dovetailed really nicely with that style. He looked like a, a killer, and not even the crowd will save Damon. That amazing spot with the somersault dive through the ropes right on those <laughs> two nice ladies oh, with the no. Australian flag. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, Zach was on hand to give one of them an ice pack after Robbie absolutely caved her head in. I mean, this is next level heel work. I, I respect it. But <laughs> yeah. that aside, it, it was such a joy to watch the variety and the pacing of Robbie taking apart Hiromu's knee with surgical precision. And here's the selling fetishist klaxon alert. Woo, woo, woo. I wish Hiromu hadn't just blown it off when he was going through his signature moves, but I accept I might be on an island there and it didn't affect my enjoyment of the match too much because there were some great moments like the, the poison runner from the top rope, oh. that great bit where Robbie kicked Hiromu's knee as he was going for the thrust kick. And just all the Ron Miller special moments where Robbie was showing great intensity and Hiromu sold it really well. The crowd were buzzing and I was really hoping for a tap out there. And it felt quite deflating when we transitioned into the dynamite plunger bomber time bomb two finishing sequence without any sign of the leg damage. So it was a really great match. And I largely put that on Robbie because he dominated it. And 
I felt left in, in spite of defeat, you left with this stonks raise that, you know, if it was even possible, that this new heelish edge, I think, fits him like a glove. It's not a complete redefining of the character. It's just a little tweak where he's pissed off and wrestling is normal game, but we've added venom and ferocity. And as I said, you know, Robbie Eagles is one of the safest bets for a quality match in New Japan. This guy just never has a stinker, never phones it in. The floor nope. for a, a, a high-level uh, a Robbie Eagles singles match on the card is it's like four stars. And the consensus I've seen here is sort of landing around four and a half, which I agree with. But I mean, we go back to the elephant in the room of Hiromu talking about wanting to break the junior title defense record, which I think is 12. So that means he would need nine more defenses to do that. And look, I like Hiromu and I think he's having a good year, but I feel that dragging this rain out to 12 defenses when it's only at three at the moment, that would feel like a mistake to me. Um, but I will say, despite Hiromi feeling stale, him being on top has arguably helped New Japan to stack the deck with viable alternatives. We're looking at, again, guys like Robbie, Leo Rush, Yo, El Desperado, Master Watto, to name a few, all of them gunning for Hiromi, which does make the prospect of best of the Super Juniors really interesting and, and hard to predict this year. Uh, and as you said, Kanemaru is the next challenger. So what did you think of the match? Outstanding. It reminded me a lot of those you know, early to mid-90s type uh, junior heavyweight title matches where there was plenty of sandpaper and plenty of grit and plenty of, uh, you know, bare bones wrestling. And I put that in air quotes um, as opposed to the death defying high flying shit. But (laughs) there was other layers to it. Like to me, this was a match that had so many different layers between Robbie working over Hiromo, uh, between that that sick fucking poison Rana spot. Oh my. Uh, you know, the Robbie taking the fucking dive over the top and, and again booting that poor lady in the head. She was she was she was wearing the ice pack. They gave her an ice pack. I saw I did see Zach go over and, and kind of, you know, uh Due to a little apology and all that, made sure she was all right, which was good. Um, Robbie Eagles is, yeah, right. You you are right. There's not a name me a bad Robbie Eagles match. Seriously, uh, he he goes out there and busts it every night. And here's the thing, Hiromo is, is still great. He really is. He's still great. Just because we like change and different and all that does not take away from the fact that he is fucking. Great. Um, I do worry a little bit about the 12 title defenses. Like that might that might stretch things a little thin for me. Um, because again, I am a big fan of I don't know, I don't want to t- this to turn into fucking WWE where they're swapping titles and none of them mean anything. But I don't know. I don't know if I want to sit out till for, for 12. Um, there are plenty of challengers. Do we have 12 quality challengers, Joel? I don't know if we do. <laughs> right? Do we? Do we have? Do we, I mean, seriously, do we have 12? All right, we're, well, what's the number we got to hit? Uh, 10? Uh, uh, nine at this point? What do we need? Nine successful defenses for him to, to break this record now? Yes, that's correct. Nine. Okay, so... I mean, you figure Master Watto is going to be in that mix, right? You figure, well, Kanemura is going to be in the mix. We know that. 
Um, I mean, Leo Rush was was already in the mix. Who else? I mean, we, are we looking at the the uh, the current tag champions? Or are we looking at outside the promotion? I just think that's a that like that's name me eight quality guys, nine quality guys, eight quality guys that that can fill that spot. Kevin Knight, maybe Kushida. Yeah, you know, we're getting close. Let's put it that way. Also, I think we would need to increase the frequency of these matches because it felt like there were only about three IWGP Junior heavyweight title matches last year. So I don't really want to be waiting for (laughs) four years for this uh, reign to come to an end. So, yeah, I think there's interesting stories to be told, but um, I just think we need to increase the pace of it. And it it would be challenging to keep the division fresh if we are gunning for that record mm. because New Japan is not a company that tends to do non-title junior singles feuds. That's quite uncommon. So if we're just letting the whole division stagnate just to get to this uh, end goal of Hiromu breaking the defense records, I don't think that would be a good idea, but um, yeah. we will see. Do you Let's think, I'm sorry, just on. one last question. Do you think we'll see uh, any juniors in G1? Oh, hello. Mm, no. No. <laughs> All right. Yes. I love you too, Esther. I've got a little sleepy girl here. No, oh. I don't think so. I think there's, I think New Japan have got a challenge on their hands when it comes to the G1 in just fitting 20 of their own high level heavyweights into the mix. Right. So, no, no juniors for me. Okay. All right. I don't have a problem with that, but the problem, I guess the biggest problem that I have with that is that it feels like the juniors then get put on pause, but you know, it's something that we go through every year. No biggie. All right. Uh, then before that, uh, the tag title match, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, that's correct. So this is the IWGP tag team championship match with the challengers, Aussie open, Carl Fletcher and Mark Davis defeating the champions, Fisherman, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto in 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Kyle Fletcher pinned Hiroki Goto after the Coriolis. So Aussie Open become the new IWGP tag team champions. And I just will say off the bat, I thought they did a great job building up Bishamon to feel like the best tag team in the world. From the World Tag League win, the FTR win at the Dome, and the brilliant win over Dream Team recently. So I felt Bishamon went into this match on a very high pedestal, and they've made these titles feel like a big deal. Even just the little touches like United Empire being in Aussie Open's corner. We don't often get that for tag title matches. And this feud between these two teams has been built up really well from the World Tag League final to the singles matches in the New Japan Cup. And look, Bishamon are so good. They they started this match fluid and dominant. They were mixing up a, a range of double team spots and putting Aussie Open on the back foot until the Aussie boys had to pull out some high-risk shit to, to force a foothold in the match. So I just love the story of Aussie Open having to pull out all the stops just to hang with Bishamon, which led to that gruesome spot with Kyle Fletcher's head smacking against the corner of the guardrail from that top rope moonsault. And he was extremely fortunate not to be seriously hurt there, let alone be able to continue to wrestle the match. But it did add a great visual with the blood streaming down his head as a, a visceral indicator of those match themes that I mentioned. You know, it's literally going to take blood, sweat and tears for Aussie Open to have a chance of winning against, like I said, the best tag team in the world. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for seeing your own blood and that giving you the fire in your belly to fight tooth and nail to survive. So 
very glad that car wasn't seriously hurt and a happy accident there, which added to the match greatly. And I thought Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton took that ball and ran with it and added so much to the drama of the match by, you know, playing that up and talking about how, you know, Davis might be reluctant to tag in Fletcher and it could end up being a handicap match. And they're the best commentary team, bar none, at things like that for thinking on their feet and reacting to what they see in front of them, not what their notes say or what people are telling them in the earpieces to maximise the drama of every single match as it unfolds in front of them. And look, this match really did feel like a, yet another Kyle Fletcher showcase. He was front and centre here. The guy's only 24 years old and he looked like an absolute stud. I've said it before, commentary has said it, uh, the Will Ospreay Kyle Fletcher passing the torch feed feels like it's nailed on in the future. I'm already excited for it because Fletcher already, he's absolutely knocking it out of the park. And it was a great match. These two teams just beat the piss out of each other for 15 minutes. They fought over these tag titles like they meant everything. And it's been a while since we said that. It's no surprise they got the crowd chanting for them. We got the, the Ryogoku crowd chanting Aussie Open. That's no accident. That is a, a top draw crowd who who knows hard work and talent when they see it, recognising and, and acknowledging Fletcher and Davis busting their asses to put on a show for them. You know, did we get any FTR chance from the Japan crowd when they were working in Japan? I don't think so. And, you know, that's not a knock on FTR. It's a testament to the sacrifice and effort and quality of Aussie Open. Because this is a crowd that can tell that these IWGP heavyweight tag titles mean everything to these boys. And the end, when they won, it was a very real, genuine emotional moment for a team that, you know, they were supposed to be there in 2019. And they've had a lot of bad luck with injuries and, and the pandemic and everything. And, we got this convergence of real life and in-ring stories, and great wrestling against quality opposition on a big stage in front of a hot crowd. Doesn't get much better than this. A, a fantastic achievement for Aussie Open. And also let's give love to Bishamon who've worked their socks off to make this division and, and these titles mean something again. Uh, this might have been my favorite match of the night. Um, I fucking adored this match. Goto and Yoshihashi. Uh, I mean, I, I I did an ugh, and I don't mean an ugh. I mean, an ugh, what a job. What a fucking, pardon the pun, but like they were top notch. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they were, as much as I really love Aussie Open, I think Goto and Yoshihashi were the fucking stars of this match. Like, I've I haven't seen and maybe I'm just opening my eyes a little bit wider but like I I I I'm hard pressed to find like in recent memory Hiroki Goto being like like I know he's good don't 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 get me wrong but like showing and and delivering like that was fucking tremendous uh, I think the crowd energy made this match too. Um, but I even think if, if this were in an empty arena, uh, you know, I think it would be a great match. But the crowd just helped put it over the top. Um, I, there was plenty of drama and, and like, you were right. It felt like the stakes were high. You know, it felt like this this was an important match. And it's very easy. And New Japan has been guilty of it. Of just hand waving these fucking titles, but they felt they felt like the, it meant something. Um, and and if that's Yoshihashi and and Hiroki Goto, uh, 
than fucking big time marks for them because uh, they did the belts felt special. Um, I would have zero problem if they wanted to run this one back. Uh, I would have no problem. And here's the thing. The, you, you talked a little bit about the juniors. Like, I honestly think that the heavyweight tag titles are the, the most interesting they've been in in a long time, long time. I mean, even if you get, you know, some, some, something from, you know, just five guys and, you know, you know, Cobb and Ocon are waiting in the fucking wings, uh, you know, with a possibility of, of doing something, at least like a maybe not challenging for the titles, but, you know, just just being in the mix to kind of gate. Who knows? Right. Uh, there's just there's so much possibilities with a team that is so fucking good. It's exciting. Like, like to me, I'm, I think I might be more pumped up over the tag situation than just about anything else. It's exciting. It's fun. Uh, matches will be great. And, you know, I, uh, truth be told, I, I, I would have no problem for them holding on to the titles for a super long time. And here's the thing. I would not care. I would have absolutely no problem if... You know, Aussie Open went through a bunch of challenges and then Goto and fucking Yoshihashi take them back. I would have no problem with that because if if that's the type of shit that you're going to get, uh, give me more. Give me more. Um, I uh, Like I said, on, on a show that, quite honestly, is up there for show of the year. Like New Japan put on a f- good fucking show. Uh, there was really not a lot of filler at all. Uh, this 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 was really fucking good. Like, I love the fact that every match it felt like was okay. We set a bar, and then the, the, the you know whoever was going on next, they did their best to match it or eclipse it. Um, the tag match was my favorite match of the night. I think uh, the biggest testament you can pay to Bishop One is the fact that whilst I love Aussie Open and I really wanted them to win the titles and I'm happy they won their titles, I was equally sad that Bishamon were not champions mm-hmm. anymore. So I'm going to be rooting for them to get back to the top. If we're putting another World Tag League potential hey! Bishamon out there, I'm up for it. <laughs> what are they doing over there? <laughs> and Yeah, Esther's just having a... A trip to the toilet. Oh, uh, very nice. And it's, yeah, uh, TMDK are going to be the next challengers. And look, the bar is high now. The standards have been set, and, and it's up to the rest of the division, starting with TMDK, to, to step up to that level. So excited to see where we go from here. Yep. So sixth match then was the NJPW World TV Championship match, where the champion, Zack Sabre Jr., got his fourth successful defense in. This time against Shota Umino, 30 minutes, 35 seconds with the jackknife hold. So Zack retains his TV championship. I did really enjoy the promo at the start with Zach, the, the shiny jacket. Here, boy, here, boy, good <laughs> boy. There's a shiny jacket for you. That, that popped yeah. me big. Um, and look, I think, you know, we know what Zach can do. Zach's great. But let's talk show to Umino. The crowd seemed to be really into him. Uh, he's getting good responses from the entrance. And the, the match started with the urgency I expected from this title. Some nice pinning combinations. And as I said during the New Japan Cup, I think Zach is a great opponent for Shota because Zach worked the whole match around 
making sure to look good and teasing out the fire and the baby face heat in a way that Naito didn't at New Beginning. Uh, from the trash talking to the submissions where he's desperately reaching for the ropes while the crowd are, are willing him to break the holds. And I think a large part of that is down to the way Zach has got over his submissions, particularly the armbar. That armbar's won him more than a few instant taps. So I'm just going to attend to my crying son for a moment. Uh, David, you talk to me about Zach versus Shota, please. Certainly, certainly. You have your hands full over there uh, with the little ones running around. Okay. Uh, was this a a coming out party for Shota? Uh, I I think this is the type of match that is perfect for him with uh, a you know super great dance partner and short amount of time. Right, we don't have to do a thirty minute epic. We can do under fifteen. Um, and and make sure everything that we do means something. Make sure everything that we do uh, has a purpose, and we don't have to be stretching it out just to kill time. Perfect, perfect. Uh, I love the fact, and again, I don't want to sit here and you know stroke off Chris and and, and Kevin, but uh, I'll buy him a, a fucking. <laughs> Tenga egg or whatever the fuck they're. Um, they really did a outstanding job when it came to the finish and it came to the end where they were mentioning the fact that, you know, he's got to change it up and he's going to learn a lesson from this match. But, but uh, doing what he did before and not having anything up his sleeve came back to bite him. And then whether that's inexperience, whether that's wanting to be, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi light or, you know, in the shadow of John Moxley, whatever, whatever the fuck, uh, they kind of made mention that, you know, he's got to be his own guy. He's got to be, he's got to uh, carve a path for himself. And I think this match, not for me, because I've been on board from the jump. But I think this match helped open some people's eyes and gave people, not open people's eyes. I think it gave people a little bit more confidence in in what they have with him. Uh, again, we still have plenty of time, plenty of time. Uh, and it does, it does feel like, you know, they're giving him... A, a good amount of opportunity. He's got plenty to learn. He's got plenty to pick up. He's only going to get better. Um, and and these are the type of matches that help him in that progression. Uh, I thought the match was solid. I thought the match was very good. I thought the match was exciting. And again, I think the 15 minute time limit played in the favor uh, of both guys, of both guys. But uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was like, I mean, I'm, I know we're working our way backwards, but but even to this point, I was like, man, this car is going to be fucking good. And we still have, you know, this match and that match yet to go. So, uh, yeah, I think I think. And here's the thing, too. It felt like, you know, even with all uh, the matches before it and then the matches after, it was almost like that 15 minutes was like a bit of a, of a palate cleanser or a, uh, you know, just something to kind of 
get you set for maybe something that's a little bit longer uh, time limit. So yeah, I was I was on board. The only thing I didn't like about the match, and it's not really the match, but I just, I still hate that fucking TV title. It looks terrible. I I just I just fucking hate that thing. I I tell you what, you know, for a company that used to be really top notch with the fucking belts that they had, like just a look of the belts. I I mean I got to give them a, a solid thumbs down. Like I'm not. I still can't get over the winged heavyweight. I just don't like it. I just don't like it. Um, and I don't like this TV title either. So, And I don't like the KOP one either. I don't know. This, is, this was a company that was really, really on point with their, with, their, with their title designs. And I think they've lost a step. I mean, again, who, who the fuck cares, right? Who, who, who really gives a shit? But, uh, I mean, that's my opinion. What a dummy. Yeah, what a dummy. What a dummy. Yep. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. No, growing you. I mean, I think the, the no. belt complaints are stuff that when they are first introduced, a lot of people go, oh, this looks weird, but eventually you stop caring about it and you focus on the quality of the matches. So, uh, yeah, as I was saying about, I was talking about Zach getting over the danger of his submission holes and that armbar. So he's used that armbar quite a few times and got quite a few instant taps against high-level opposition. So I thought there was a real sense of peril when Shota was caught in those holes that helped build the babyface heat for him. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said about Shota. I, I do think there are elements he is still lacking. I thought his arm selling was inconsistent here, but nearly everything else is getting better. The pacing, the striking, the the smoothness, the confidence, the emoting, the promos, the, the execution of those more intricate reversal sequences, the crowd interaction. Like you can see Shota starting to believe that he is the guy that the fans want him to be. And prior to this, there was a disconnect. You know, a couple of months ago, there was a disconnect between those two things. But I feel that that gap is closing now. I'm not going out here saying that, you know, he's the finished article and let's strap him up with a big boy belt. But I'm telling you that I think this is going to be another one of those situations where a lot of casuals drag their feet and write him off and either ignore or don't notice these improvements. And when the day comes that... Shota does get that statement win on a big stage and, and looks like a million bucks. People, then they'll say, oh, actually, he's all right now. Right. Don't be one of those people. Pay attention and enjoy the journey of this young, talented wrestler, tightening up the facets of his game and learning from his mistakes, both in storyline and in reality. Because if you pay attention, 
you see these things clicking with him. And, and a lot of these are things that can only come with experience. Like Shota doesn't need the wins at this point in his career. He needs the reps. Yep. He needs to work programs with people who can help him improve. And this is a really positive step. Like you can visibly notice the improvements here. So please watch him with an open mind. Appreciate the ride of, of seeing his slow, but in my opinion, inevitable rise to the top. Because New Japan, they're not presenting him to you as the finished product. I've said it before. They're actively putting those figurative flashing lights on Shota's failed attempts to channel other wrestlers. Right. Like you said, he tried the Death Rider twice and it failed. Cost him the match. The clear story here is this is a young man who has the influences of his elders but needs to figure out who he is and what he does, just like Chunky. Like they're not telling you he is a championship-level star. Since his return, he's lost to Osprey twice. He's lost to Naito, lost to Finley. He's lost to Zach. His only non-Young Lion singles wins are Yudro and Zach in the cup. Right. He's lost all his big matches, Damon. They are telling you that he isn't ready. So you've got to pay attention to the, like I said before, the confluence of real life and the storytelling and stop projecting future expectations onto who Shota is now because this is all part of the plan. Enjoy the ride. Right. Thank you. Well said. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, not for nothing. If you guys were on board, you know, Naito, uh, you know, is a perfect example. Do, do you honestly, th- I mean, could anybody have projected Naito being who he is now when he was tagging with Yujiro or how about Okada, right? How about, how about we throw out his time in TNA? Would anyone look at that time and be like, yep, that guy is going to be a stuff. No, of course not. Of course not. Uh, I, it's funny. I was, I was going through my phone with pictures and I had uh, pictures of uh, a young uh, Watanabe uh, New Jersey independent wrestler Watanabe uh, wrestling in front of maybe 200 people, if that. I don't even think it was that much uh, on it on a on an indie show at Rawway, New Jersey. Who would have thought that you know that that person would have come, you know, turned into what he is today? Uh, and, and I know there's a various people being like, "He ain't nothing now." Okay, I get it, but. Uh, Again, just he, you're you are so right. He is being presented as a work in progress, right? It's a work in progress, and I think that's a good thing and a fun thing. And it's happened many times before, and it'll happen many times after. So uh, come on, people, get get a little patience. Let's go. Fifth match was the IWGP Women Championship match three way between Mercedes Monet. The challengers Azumi and Hazuki. So that was 30 minutes and 53 seconds. And Mercedes won with a moneymaker after pinning Azumi and successfully retained the IWGP Women Championship. So I don't even know if it needs to be said anymore that Mercedes Monet is the real deal here. Esther, you need to be quiet if you're going to stay in here. If you want to read your book, you can go outside. outside. Take your book outside then. Close the door. All right. Thank you very much. The the listeners don't want to hear you reading. um, What book are you reading there? Slinky Malinky. Yeah, the listeners don't want to hear Slinky Malinky. 
They want to hear me talking about Mercedes. I, I got to be honest with you. I kind of want to hear a little. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> slams the the, fo- the door defiantly. All right. Very good. Uh, she's as you were saying. She's three years old, David. She's memorized all these books. Like She can't read, obviously. She's too young to understand, you know, phonics and things like that and decode the language in front of her. But she's just memorized all these Did books really? and will sit there and turn the page and reciting it word for word. It's Wow. It's amazing. The power of reading, it's, it can't be overstated i agree good job by her well done excellent uh speaking of great job by her well uh, give me a little bit of that uh give me a little bit of that monet if you will yes yes so as i was saying uh she can she can do it all right she's a draw she can do the big u.s style main event epic she can do the high speed stuff so all the boxes ticked i don't think there can be any doubts left over what she's bringing to the table and what i really loved about this match was that it didn't fall back on the usual three-way tropes of one person having a snooze on the outside while we have a singles match in the ring. They packed this one, the whole lot, full of 100 miles an hour, creative, nasty-looking three-person spots. They were Most of the match, they were all in the ring together. And I just, I love having these matches on these shows. It provides something different, something fresh. It's just really cool having one high-quality Joshi match on these big shows. So whether that is Mercedes in the long term or whether she moves on and does something else, I just think it's a really nice addition to these shows to have uh, the IWGP Women's title defended just so we can get a little taste of all that the action going on in Stardom. You know, there was a lot of uh, nervous Nellies out there that were, you know, kind of... <sighs> Sitting on that, <laughs> that, that, oh, we can't have something like this in our new Japan. This would, this would disrupt the flow of the universe. Uh, lo and behold, lo and behold, uh, dare I say, we saw a match that quite honestly, I'm, I'm hard pressed to, uh, come up with a woman's match that, it, like is even in the stratosphere. They went a thousand miles an hour for what? 15 minutes or so. Uh, and again, incorporating everyone in the uh, spots. It was, it wasn't that dump somebody outside the ring and then we're going to do our shit and then I'll take a powder. No, it wasn't. Um, everyone held their own. Uh, I I I, I got to be honest. I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Uh, Monet came off as legit a star. I mean, just tremendous stuff. Just tremendous stuff all around by all three. Um, you're right. It it is a a bit of a breath of fresh air. Um. I don't think I, I think if anybody had any worries before, I, I would hope that those worries are well gone. Thrown out the and here's the thing too. I was worried too. I'm gonna be honest. I was worried too. I was worried that would this be a good fit? Like would I mean, I, I mean listen, we're talking about a star here, but you know, can can she keep up? And without question. I mean just she's fit in perfectly perfectly um they have a star they they like they legitimately have a bona fide star 
Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know what her contract situation is. I don't know how many dates she signed up for. I don't know any of that, but whatever they, I mean, I understand that the price tag has to be worth, it has to be a return on the investment, right? So hopefully subs are up and, you know, live gates and all that fun stuff. Um, but she's worth every penny. <laughs> she's worth every penny. Um, I mean, look, not for nothing. Who was a who was the biggest star on that night? Like who felt like a big star? She's got to be in that conversation. Maybe not the biggest, but damn sure right. She was right there at the top. It just felt special. And you know what? It felt like she knew where she was. You know, she knew. And I'm sure she knew that there were fucking dorks like us with stupid podcasts that we're going to, you know, nitpick and fucking talk about. She shut everybody up. I can I like if anybody's complaining about this match, yeah, get up the street, honestly, because this was really good. And I think I think this is one of the best moves New Japan and and stardom, uh, Bushi Road have made. It's 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 a win all the way around. Now again, let's see where we are with the financials, because I'm sure she doesn't come cheap, but worth every penny to me, Joel. Worth absolutely every penny to me. So the next challenger will be Mayu Iwatani at April 23rd in the Yokohama Arena Stardom Show. So will you be tuning in for that, Damon? And also a follow-up question. Uh, Cactus says, once Mercedes completes her Japan stint, would you be in favor of seeing the IWGP Women's Championship being a regular match on New Japan cards? I mean, I think for both of us, that is a resounding yes. And yeah, how about that uh, Stardom Show? Because I think... The acid test here is going to be whether people like us who are seeing the, these little teasers and, and tasters of stardom action will go and take the next step and watch an actual stardom show. Because I must admit, I'm I'm intrigued now. Yes. I am. I'm thinking more likely that I will check out this Yokohama Arena show to see Mercedes against Mike. Yeah, I I I'm going to be honest. I would. <sighs> I, I would I would pay for it. You know what I mean? Like if anybody's got a code or anything, I'll definitely take it off our hands. <laughs> but but uh I would pay for it. It's 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 an exciting thing. And here's the thing too. Um it, it's 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 a slightly different feel and energy and all of that, you know, uh, as opposed to uh New Japan and stardom, right? There's it's a it's a different feel and a different like I said, a different energy, a different vibe. Um, yeah, I, I, at the very least, it piques my curiosity. And here's the thing, too. Uh, not for nothing. I am kind of on board in the sense of, you know what? I'll lay down another 20 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever the, the cost of this show might be. I'll do that with the the, the knowledge of... I'm helping keeping this going, <laughs> you know, you know, and your $20 listener, trust me, we'll, we'll do the same. Like if you like what you see, 
the only I, I just I just talked about it, the return on investment. Well, if guess what? If nobody buys this stardom show, I don't know if you're going to see a lot. Of, you know, this is a real test. So if you like it, let me just wrap it up because I feel like I'm going on a fucking tangent here. But uh, support the product. Pay. I know everybody's times are tough, but if you want to see more of this, you got to do it. What a dummy. Yeah, exactly. Don't do it. Don't be a dummy. So fourth match here was the six-man tag match with El Fantasma, Kenta, and David Finley defeating Master Watto, Hikolo, and Tamatonga. So ELP pinned Watto after eight minutes, 46 seconds with the CR2, which then led to a lot of stuff going on. So we had David Finlay beating down Tamatonga because he wants a taste of that never-open-weight title. And eventually... ELP stepped in to say oh, he's had enough, which one thing led to another. And basically ELP got his head kicked in by Bullet Club. It looked like Ishimori was going to come out and make the save, you know, reunited the world's cutest tag team. But no, Ishimori turned on ELP as well. So ELP is out. Krusty is here. He came finally. <laughs> ELP has been kicked out of Bullet Club. Uh, Finlay says he's handpicked a replacement. So we've got some matches lined up. We've got Finlay versus Tamatonga for the Never title. Uh, Hikolo versus Kento. It looks like that's going to be strong for the strong title at some point in the future. But we finally got the big angle where ELP is out of Bullet Club. Um, what did you think of the angle and its execution? Uh, I mean, you know, it's been building for this for a while, just this little pocket between ELP and, and David Finley going back and forth online and on Twitter and all that stuff. So kind of knew it was coming, but, uh, or at least it felt that way. The, the execution I thought was fine. Very good. I got no problem with it. Um, it did feel a little underwhelming, um, only in the sense of you think about all the woulda, couldas, and shouldas when it came to this, and none of which came to pass. And really, the big breakup is, you know, kind of, I, I wouldn't say anticlimactic, but, uh, you know, you, you, you think about all the players that you had access to to, to make this happen, and, and no disrespect to either anyone in the ring to be quite honest with you but you know i think we all know what we're trying to say here um that being said you know the idea of jay white signing with aew uh that does provide a lot of flexibility when it comes to not only him his character which is pretty much the same as it was in new japan uh, even the idea of using Bullet Club, uh, you know, mannerisms and uh, juice being there as well. And, you know, there's I think there's a little bit more uh, to the possibilities of Jay White still having some type of dealings with New Japan. Uh, I think the door is wide open for that. So. While, again, it does seem like a little bit uh, toward the side of anticlimactic, know that, you know, there is still much more, you know, it would be a different story if he did go to WWE, which 
you know, I, I think everyone is in agreement that that was a definite possibility, uh, more than a possibility, quite honestly. Um, whether WWE's on some type of uh, hiring freeze with their their uh, buyout and all that stuff that came with that, who knows? But you know, Jay White being an AEW does does raise some eyebrows in the sense that you know maybe the story isn't quite done with Jay White. Yeah, so a lot of questions raised about what it means for Jay White and what's next for ELP. And I, I do think it's worth praising New Japan for going with the, I don't want to say the obvious outcome, but basically not doing a swerve for the sake of doing a swerve because we could see right. the breadcrumbs with ELP. They've been there for months and months and months. We've called this happening, but I don't think that was, that's not a reason for them to just suddenly change direction and, and do something shocking for the sake of it. It made sense for this to happen in the story and that's the way it played out. So I so say, well done. Sometimes the most obvious outcome is the best outcome. And, and I think that was the case here. Whether or not the execution could have been a bit more dramatic, I thought it was fine personally, and I'm interested to see where ELP lands next. Um, so you brought it up. Uh, Daryl says, did you catch Jay's debut on Dynamite? I was expecting him to pop up somewhere with a huge angle. Somehow him blindsiding Ricky Stark seems disappointing to me. What do you think of him choosing AEW as his new home? Marcus says, how does Jay White signing to AEW affect the Bullet Club infighting? Was he officially kicked out or just demoted to Bullet Club US? Mitch says, I'm struggling to follow the Bullet Club Civil War. Please break down the hand gesture law so I can better understand it. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do have to reiterate what I said previously. I'm starting to get saturated with it. And I, having been burnt before on the previous Bullet Club Civil War, which did not have a satisfactory ending, now we've got a Bullet Club Civil War that is spanning across three different promotions. I am yeah. not holding my breath for a satisfying and coherent outcome to this. If there is one, then great, I will enjoy it. But I'm not getting my hopes up for a brilliantly, intricately told master story between all three of these companies. I just think there's too many moving parts. There's too much politics involved. So I'm sorry, I'm I'm hand-waving the Jay White stuff at the moment. It doesn't interest me. I was thinking the most interesting thing for Jay White would be for me personally, because we've seen Switchblade, do, he's, he's done it all. So I'm done with the Switchblade character. Personally, I would like to see something new from Jay White. But him popping up on AEW doing the exact same character, the exact same gimmick. I mean, sure, there's fresh views for him to have. I'll be interested to watch the matches, but it doesn't excite me. And the prospect of this big Bullet Club Civil War between the two companies having you know, a multi-man, I don't know, forbidden door like Bullet Club New Japan versus Bullet Club AEW, blah, blah, blah. I don't have the energy for it. it. Honestly, just the prospect of it, I find exhausting. <laughs> I agree. First, you have to give a fuck about Bullet Club, to be quite honest. Like You have to think, you know, that's a thing <laughs> at this point. Uh, and really, that that's, you know, if, if you've had enough Bullet Club, then it's going to be difficult, yeah, to kind of follow along three different fucking companies. I, I, like... Honestly, I don't give a shit <laughs> at this point. I really don't. Like, I could care less. Um, but look, I know uh, I can't. I can't completely discount it because I because there is still interest in it, and people still, uh, you know, like I said, uh, you know, you go to any one of these fucking U.S. shows. Uh, aside from the Lion Mark T-shirt, Bullet Club is still like the number one 
t-shirt there. I mean, maybe not in sales, you know, but people wearing them. Um, it's, it's a thing. I can't deny it. So like, it's not like there's no interest in it. I guess for us talking about it all the time and just constantly, you know, for years, it's always been a thing. And, and again, I, I just, it is exhausting. (laughs) It is exhausting, but here's, if you're into it, know that it's going to be, uh, I think the idea and the prospects of it is a little bit better. I, 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 I kind of disagree with you a little bit in the sense that, you know, if Jay White was gone to WWE, I, I, I think it would be, it would be different, but it's still, there's still stuff that, look, there's still stuff that can be done. Hopefully, and, and you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. I'll give them, I'll, I'll hold off judgment because we haven't seen it yet. But to be honest here, we're, we have a lot, <laughs> we have a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas with this. Um, so I'm not super confident <laughs> with, with, with there being a cohesive story here. All right, third match was uh, the just three guys team, Doki, Kanemaru, and Taichi, defeating the LIJ team with Bushi, Shingo, and Naito. So Kanemaru got the submission win over Bushi in 9 minutes, 20 seconds with a figure four leg lock. So we got the new entrance for just five guys. So they've got a new theme. They're entering through the crowds. Uh, very NWO Japan uh, vibes from that theme. And, uh, yeah, this was an interesting match, uh, not least for the beef between Naito and Doki. So Naito was yeah. spitting on him and then they were uh, jaw jacking at the end and this is leading up to a singles match between them uh, and also Shingo and Taichi are going to be locking horns again. So as I said before, we've got a, an interesting LIJ versus Just Five Guys feud to look forward to. Um, and I'm particularly you know, intrigued in that Naito and Doki match. Me too. Um, please excuse the, the absolute ignoramus question. Uh, but I will. What a dummy! Uh, what I will ask is this: uh, Doki's still a junior, right? Yes, he is. Okay. So on one show, we've really had two juniors challenging heavyweights right before Best of the Super Junior. Is that strange to you? Is that uh, did that stand out to you at all? Yeah, it does seem like the boundaries between the two divisions are more blurred than they have been in previous years, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, that's that's the one thing I, with this match where I was like, oh, of all people, it's Doki. Okay, um, so I was uh, excited by that and the prospects of that. Uh, I thought the match was okay. It was fine. You know, it was fine. Um, but yeah, the post-match and, and the beatdowns and, and setting up of new programs, once again, look, you can't, you can't wag your finger at them for trying something different, right? You know, they're, they're trying to mix it up. They're going to add a, a little bit of spice. I like that. I like that a lot. So, uh, yeah, uh, the biggest takeaway from that match was, was that interaction at the end. So I'm all for it. And our second match was Francesco Akira, Aaron Hanare, and Jeff Cobb defeating Show, Yudro, and Evil. Eight minutes of one second. Uh, Jeff Cobb, very impressive finish there, doing a, a two for one 
on the tour of the islands there. So we're setting up some future stuff here. Jeff Cobb is going to face the winner of Zach against Filthy Tom. Uh, Akira has accepted the Jet Setters challenge against Catch Twenty Catch Two Two. Uh, I said rude words to him in, in Italian as well. So uh, mm. it just it really feels at the moment. I don't know. I'll talk about it later. I was just going to say House of Torture just feel like complete jobbers at the moment. That's not necessarily a criticism, but they just feel like right at the bottom of the, the pecking order at the moment. But uh, yeah, that that was the second match on the show. Yeah, uh, I mean, it does feel like the fact that House of Torture is just just this kind of. Uh, like goofy heels, we've talked about it a lot, but like the goofiness has now gotten to the point where, you know, they're stumbling over their own feet and, you know, just, it, it isn't like in a kayfabe sense, it isn't working, you know? So I guess uh, the question is raised, like, so how do they change that up? Um, from a behind the curtain perspective, um, it does it does make you wonder what, that those plans and that influence of Dick Togo and all that stuff, uh, where that went, if it's still a thing, if it's, uh, if it ever was a, a, a thing, um, does, it does lead to, to at least some questions, I think, um, as to where, where, where we stand with uh, good old Dick to go. And our first match was the Shinichi Champion Grand Prix Celebration match, a six-man tag team match where we had uh, the team of Great Okan, Toriyano, and Minoru Suzuki defeating the team of Yo, El Desperado, and Hiroshi Tanahashi in 30 minutes, 10 seconds. So Yano pins Tanahashi with a schoolboy. So for this match, what stood out to me was the Yo and Desperado interactions because they were on the same team, but Yo was being a bit of a prick to Despi. So something to keep an eye on as we head into Best of the Super Juniors. Um, these are two high-level uh, junior heavyweight wrestlers. So yeah, keep keep your eye on that. Are they going to be in the same block? Is that, you know, maybe is that a potential final? Both of these guys have been in Best of the Super Juniors finals in recent years. So yeah, keep an eye on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think the match was, I mean, the story of the match obviously was the idea of, you know, now you know, enemies and guys who have problems with each other on the same team. You saw that with uh, Great Okan and uh, Minoru Suzuki. Uh, you saw that on the other side with the juniors. You had Tanahashi kind of trying to direct traffic. And then, you know, he gets the nut shot and one, two, three. Uh, look, the match was what the match was. <laughs> it was there. Uh, but again, if you're going to hang your hat on anything in this match is, is that interaction of guys that were, you know, at each other's throats, pretty much the whole match. Uh, and yet they're, they're technically on the same team. So there you go. So that was Sakura Genesis. Uh, we had a, an attendance of 6,510 with a caveat being that they restricted uh, two people to a box rather than the usual four, but a fantastic show, absolute show of the year. Esther's gone into full sabotage the podcast mode. Um, but for me, yeah, a fantastic show and yet another one of those New Japan is back moments because I think this is, yeah, this is the first proper sumo hall noisy crowd we've had. And 
it just it's different, doesn't it, Damon? This much just there was just something about this show, the energy of it, the noise that was very, very pleasing and exciting to me. Oh yeah, I you know we talk we're talking a lot about the the show and the and the wrestlers on the show and how they really worked their asses off and every match seemed to top the next and it was really a fun, great show, um, made even better by a crowd that was there for it. You know, they, they were noisy and they were cheering and booing and, and they were an active participant in the show. And that was, Oh, it felt so good. Look, we, we, uh, we've said it a trillion times, but, um, it does, it does, does feel really good. Like it, like this again was another step in that direction of, we uh, and a big step, mind you. We're because uh, you know we uh, let's put it this way. We've I think we've crossed the finish line with this show. Um, it did feel like we're back, and and G one will and, and best of the super juniors both will help solidify that and get people back uh, in the swing of things because um, it's back, it's back, and I think it's back in fresh and exciting uh you know here we go let's let, 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 let's go you know let's go i'd also like to touch on a couple of the matches that happened on the road to sacrogenesis shows at a Coracon hall on the 2nd and 3rd of april so from the show on the 3rd of april there was the main event that was the never open weight six-man tag team championship match where the champions uh what they call strong style, so that's Ren, Despi, and Suzuki defeated the challengers of. She's hungry. She's hungry. You're hungry? Gosh, she's what really do you throwing want? me under the bus here, making me sound like such a rubbish dad. She's, oh my god, they're going to be like, oh look, Joel, he's got his, his daughter starving. You're just, yeah. just giving her something to eat. She's just playing up. Why don't she just, she why don't you give her something? She was about to walk out the door and go and sit in the other room and read. And I said, oh, right. good choice, Esther. You're going to take Harry McClary, read it in the other room. Good choice. And then she stopped, turned around and said, no, not a good choice. Reading a book, not a good choice. It's not mm-hmm. yours. And then put the book back and she's just <laughs> she's just messing with me now. She's a little <laughs> little troll. It's Arthur's. It's Arthur's. Yes, it's Arthur's. Um, right. Yes. So anyway, this never overweight six-man tag team championship match. Uh, I was really looking forward to this, you know, being House of Torture at Coracon Hall, but it just, it didn't, I don't know, it was just there. It was fine. And, and likewise, the sixth match, which is the Dream Team versus Taichi Sanada tag team match. Again, I was really excited by that, but it just it turned into an eight-minute, just nothing match. It was just there. So these two are kind of hand wave. I'm not going to strongly recommend anyone goes out of their way to check either of them out. I was a little bit surprised that um, Strong Star retained, but I'm quite happy that they did because I think House of Torture, there's something feels off about them at the moment um i'm not going to give Yujiro a hard time i'm going to give him a pass because okay i can't hmm. let's just say uh he, he, he and i have got something in common and i'm more sympathetic to the the challenges that Yujiro is experiencing in life at the moment so i'm not going to completely oh. throw him under the bus uh, so I'll, I'll just leave it there i will say no more uh but what i do want to talk about is the match from the april 2nd which was the kopw provisional match the what was it the ultimate triad match i believe it was called the shingo win against aaron hanare 38 minutes and 15 seconds 
the, the, the caveat for this match being that you had to get a pinfall and a submission and a 10 count in order to win the match. Uh, did you see this one, Damon? Certainly did. Certainly did. I mean, the buzz was there, um, especially after uh, Big Dave chucking out stars like they were going out of style. Um, I did see it. I loved the match. Loved it. I, look, I don't know about this five and a quarter or whatever. Uh, what, whatever. Whatever that means. Whatever five and a quarter means. Um, but, you, I mean, again, you, you, you can tell. And, and it, you know, you don't try and tell me much different. But, like, people care. Right? People don't want to care about those silly stars. Wrestlers care. You don't you don't think Hanari feels good? Maybe he jerked off in the fucking hotel room afterward. You know, maybe he had himself a little egg action. Little egg egg a row just for uh, just to release some of that because the match was fucking great and you know, he's getting recognized for it. Um again, I don't know what the fuck a five and a half or five and a quarter whatever. Was it a great match? Yes. Was it hard hitting? Yes. Uh, even with the brawling in, in the crowd, you know, usually that's a spot that people, I don't know, you know, you get into the old walk and brawl kind of thing uh, that people are easy to dismiss. But well, no, they were going, they were going for it. That east east <laughs> um, section was getting an up close version, um, and the match was really good. You know, it was it was it was hard hitting and it was fun. And Shingo is fucking great. And at 40 years old, I mean, come on, the guy can go. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about Hanare, because guess what? He delivered. Even if you thought the match was four and a half, five, whatever the fuck, you know, still, he 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 delivered main event, Cork and Hall uh, in a in a somewhat big spot. I mean, that's the main event of the show. He delivered, you know, when he got the tap on the shoulder, he delivered. Can't say he did. Um, no matter what you think of his bulkers, whatever, you know, who cares? The guy put on a fantastic, fantastic pro wrestling match. Um, that, that checked a lot of boxes, a lot of boxes. Now, can he do that with, you know, Anyone? I don't know. I think Shingo's a a, a, a really uh, solid dance partner, a guy who complements his style tremendously, and and can kind of morph into whoever he needs to be to make a match work with with whomever he's working with. But you got to tip your hat. You got to tip your hat for Hanare. You know, he's a guy that you know it felt like he he was uh, he was going to get lapped. You know, it felt like a guy who was lost in the shuffle and injuries and COVID and all the all the excuses. But when it came time, he delivered. Got to give it to him. So, yeah, I really did like the match a ton. Um, again, I don't know what it was. Tip, I've said it a thousand times, but you feel you feel five stars. I don't know if I felt it, but if somebody said they did and told me, yep, that was awesome. I'm giving it five. I would not argue with him. 
And I think a lot of people might look at the length of it being 38 minutes and, and balk at that. But I think that was a, a bold and also a logical choice because there might have been a temptation to cram it all into 20 minutes and just do the usual sort of crowd pleaser Coracoin style main event. But bear in mind that the last time these guys wrestled, I'll have to check actually, but when they had their singles match, which was one fall during the New Japan Cup, um, what was the, was that at Coracoin Hall as well? Let me check. Um, I don't think it was. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so you're going to have to suffer through me clicking through various links to try and find how long it went. Because I think it is important because the point I'm trying to make here is basically that often my complaint when you have these sort of Iron Man matches, uh, okay, so tw- 20 minutes was their singles match in the New Japan Cup. So often in these sort of matches, there's the temptation just to do, just cram the falls in early. So you get, you know, a very quickly, quickly paced. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but <laughs> basically that when you have these multi-fall matches that you end up people taking falls that don't really make sense. Like they'll get pinned with a big move after like seven minutes just because right. they've got, they, they, they lack the courage of their convictions to actually make the stipulation work in a logical way. But this, it made sense that you wouldn't get the fall until after 20 minutes because these are two high level professional wrestlers. So I'm glad that they didn't, fall into the temptation of thinking, no, we've got to get in the first fall early just so we've got to keep the crowd excited or whatever. They, they, I don't know exactly when the first fall was, but it made sense that, you know, I think it was after 20 minutes where that, that's what you would expect from two wrestlers like this. And then obviously the subsequent falls happened more frequently because they were tired and, and worn down and were beating each other up. So I think it was, uh, it, it really made sense and was logical and cohesive in the way that that first periods, they took their time. And I'm not saying they were working it slow or, or pacing themselves or anything like that. It was just, it, it felt like a coherent singles, like single full wrestling match up until that first wall. And then it just kicked into an extra gear after that. So I applaud them for not um, getting stuck into that tempting but I think um, misguided trope of trying to cram in your falls early. It's, this made complete yeah. sense to me. Uh, I thought they sold the exhaustion brilliantly at the end with Shingo hitting that last pumping bomber with just the last ounce of energy he had and he yeah. nearly wiped himself oh, up. He could barely get up for the, the the ten count at the end and Hanari nearly got up. He got to his feet at nine and just sort of collapsed right after that. The crowd ate it all up. So I thought it was a great match. And also, let's, let's throw some respect to Shingo Takagi for taking this KOPW ball and, and running with it because it's it's way past the sort of goofy, silly stipulation era that it was under Yano. He's really transformed it into something interesting and appealing and creative and good to watch. I mean, it's, it's competitive. It's, it's high-level pro wrestling. There's no silliness. There's no goofiness. I think Shingo's doing a really good job with it. Yeah, and I think that match, you know, let's let's keep in mind that that was a, you know, that KOPW championship, right? That, I mean, we know how goofy that can be. We know, the, you know, what it morphed into, this comedy central fucking slapsticky nonsense. And this match was anything but. Was anything but so you know there are some guys that you know present that title in a in a fashion that 
you know, you can really get behind. Like I, I don't have that big of a deal of a, of a, of a problem with that title. I mean, I hate the belt itself, but the title itself, you know, depends on who has it. I'll be honest with you. You know, you know, the stuff with Tai Chi was creative and fun and uh, different and still great pro wrestling. You know, when he's holding that title, you know, good things come from it. Good things definitely come from it. And, and, you know, if you told somebody that that was a KOPW match, uh, or if it were like for the never title, like that was it. That's what it felt like. It felt like it was like a, like a never title, you know, but like the, how the never title was always that hard hitting, uh, beefy guys beating the fuck out of each other type match. And that's exactly what it delivered. So, yeah, I mean, that was really, really fun and, and creative the way that they, that they laid everything out. Um, cause it could have gone south. It definitely could have gone south if they didn't have the courage to do what they did. Um, but it didn't. And, and they got rewarded for it and they did a great job with it. And also from the show, the fifth match was the Oleg Bolton debut match where the team of Kosei Fujita, Robbie Eagles and Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Oleg Bolton, Ryusuke Taguchi and Shota Umino. So Zack uh, submitted Oleg after 11 minutes and five seconds with a cross arm breaker. So I was out here on the streets yelling at Cloud saying, no, this guy's not presented like a young lion. He's different. You know, he's, he's got his red singlet in the, in the render. He's not going to be eating pins. And then he came out, shaved head, black trunks. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so <laughs> in a massive L there. Uh, but in spite of that, I, I, I do think there is just something different about the way he's being presented. And I think he is, I still think he's going to get an accelerated um, progress through the traditional young lion route. But uh, what did you think of his debut match here? I mean, it was fine. And and you're right. It it, it did feel uh, different e- even before um, the shaved head and the black tights. But um, yeah, I mean, that's what it turned out to be. And, and if that's the case, then the finish was proper. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm doing you know it was he it was it was good fine i don't i mean i'm not doing cartwheels over it and there really wasn't a lot to to sink your teeth into when it came to you know how am i going to rate this guy or what is he going to be in the future or what have you he is an older guy you know there is that that talk of you know you better you know shit or get off the pot with this guy because you know it's not like he's 21 yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if there's a hot take to be had other than uh, he's a young lion and he's going to be doing some jobs. So Rod says, do you feel that New Japan has huge plans for Oleg? It feels like they're trying to keep him a secret, a gaijin who can speak fluently in Japanese also, seeing what you think. Uh, why isn't he getting as many of the matches as the others are? So I will... Again, I do think he is going to get an, an expedited trip through that, again, given his age as well. But there is an interesting match coming up at Dontaku. And I'm not sure if you have seen this statement. Uh, let me find it for you. So we have a unique kickoff battle for Dontaku. We'll see the first ever young line, Esther. Quiet, please. She's such a little... A unique kickoff battle for Dontaku. We'll see the first... <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> oh. Okay. She knows exactly how to push my buttons, literally yeah. and figuratively. All right, let's try this a third time. A unique kickoff right. bat for Dontaka will see the first ever Young Lion hat trick challenge match. One of four Young mm-hmm. Lions, Ryohei Oiwa, Yuto Nakashima, Oscar Loiber, or Bolton Oleg, to be announced at a later date, will compete in three five minute matchups. Should they be able to run the gauntlet and win all three, they will be granted a future shot at the NJPW World TV Championship, as well as 200,000 yen of Yakiniku barbecue courtesy of CS Asahi. Rich and delicious <laughs> prizes indeed. What do you think of that? Wow. Well, I mean, that's motivation. You know, there's only so much chunko a, a fucking guy can eat, right? Um <laughs> that's quite the stipulation. I feel like we've seen that before, though. Haven't we? Haven't we seen something like that before where they ran a gauntlet? Uh, fuck. Was it like one of those? Remember when they had the, the Lions Pride shows? Um, I want to say it was a lion. I'm, I could be wrong, but it seemed, that seems somewhat familiar, um, but not for with those uh, those bonuses thrown in there. <laughs> what, what is it? 200,000 yen worth of Korean barbecue? What is it? Uh, yakiniku. So, yeah, that's basically like the Japanese equivalent of Korean barbecue, yeah. And oh. also an NJPW World TV title shot. I mean, do you think Fuck that is going to be Oleg? <laughs> uh, I mean... If, if 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 what we're saying is true, that w- that would seem to push it in that direction, don't you think? You know, if 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 we need to shit or get off the pot and uh, get him winning this and uh, frying up some meat, might be in our future. Yeah, I think given that you said that, I think the others we can afford to take our time with Oleg. I think he's thirty years old, so yeah, I think we don't want to be wasting time so i think that would be a good way to accelerate that progress without completely destroying the 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 young line system structure there um all right mm-hmm. so that, that we also have g1 climax announcements here well, so all right they have g1 climax 33 will occur across 19 events in 30 days so we're kicking off on july 15th and 16th in hokkaido then we're going to all the usual stops, uh, finishing off with a double header. So instead of a triple header, we've got a double header, the 12th and the 13th at Sumo Hori Gopu. So the notable thing here, this is 19 events. It's the traditional scheduling, which may indicate the return of the 20 wrestler fields. Uh, the G1 final returns to Ryogoku for the 27th time, but the first since 2020. So looking at this, do you think that we are going back to the traditional 20 participants field? Yeah, when I saw that, I kind of did think that that would be the case. Um, and I know we extended the invitations the last G1, and a lot of that had to do with the 50th celebration and all that stuff. But uh, I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea of tightening it up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with it. And we will preview these in more detail nearer the time, but just some quick announcements for the upcoming Dontaku tour. So on the April 27th Road to Dontaku show in Hiroshima, we have Best of the Super Juniors lineups announced. We have Doki versus Naito singles match. We have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match between Catch 2-2 and the Jet Setters. That's Kushida and Kevin Knight. 
And we're main eventing with Hiromu defending that junior heavyweight title against Yoshinobu Kanemaru, where if Hiromu wins, he will then go on to challenge Sanada for the IWGP world heavyweight title at Dontaku. So that Hiroshima show, definitely one to circle in your calendar. Uh, April 29th show in Kagoshima. So let me get the name of this show exactly right. That is... uh, We've also got the Hiroki Goto... 20th anniversary event coming up. Let me have a look at that. I missed that one. Uh, but yeah, okay, that one I just terrific. Mentioned. <laughs> uh, this is Wrestling Satsuma no Kuni on April 29th in Kagoshima. So for those, the headline matches are Shingo versus Taichi, yet again for KPW. And Kozio okay. defending their heavyweight tag titles against TMDK. Uh, let me just quickly check this Hiroki Goto 20th anniversary event and main event here. Well, no, this he's gone all massive. <laughs> For some reason, uh, after the third, okay, maybe this is just mine. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> you tell me if you're saying if you are seeing the same thing as me because I got really oh. frightened there when I scrolled down. So please well, uh, have a look and tell me if you are seeing the same oh. thing. All right, let's see here. I see, uh, okay, uh, all right, Hiroki Goto, 20th anniversary, the 22nd of April. Uh huh, uh huh. I see that. Okay, uh, that doesn't seem odd. Opening that. Uh, oh, I know. Okay, okay, great, great, great. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. All right. Uh, oh, oh, that seems very large. Uh, fourth match because I scroll down I'm seeing the first match the second match the third match then when I go past the third match I scroll down and there's an enormous render of Mark Davis that's what I'm saying that's exactly <laughs> where I, where, when I saw it I was like why, why is this so big yes uh, they gotta fix this on Someone mobile because it looks that, like please. shit because <laughs> I can't tell what the match yeah. is for Hiroki Goto's 20th Master Watto and then I see yeah I see Ghetto uh, there's Umino Taiji Shimori, there's like a leg. Yeah, everybody. I, I, I don't know what they're trying to do here. They got to fix it. Yeah, it, it looks like shit. Um, so <laughs> somebody fix that, please. And then at Wrestling Dontaku on May. All right, enough. Okay, <laughs> Wrestling Dontaku on May the 3rd, uh, we have the beef match, as I mentioned. And also, apart from the undercards, we have Kenta versus Hikolo, which may be a strong type match depending on whether Kenta can successfully defend it this weekend uh, we've got Zack Sabre Jr. versus Cobb which may be an AJPW World TV type match depending if Zack can successfully defend this weekend then we also have Strong Style defending their Never Six Man titles against a mystery team of Okada plus two others so Ren went up to Okada after the main event and said Okada please challenge me for the Never Six Man titles uh, so we don't know who Okada's partners will be, but uh, there's that. We also have Tamatonga defending the Never t- title against David Finlay. And then the main event presumably will be uh, Sonada defending the IWGP World Heavyweight title against Hiroki. So that is Don Taku. We will preview those near at the time. But just quick thoughts, David. That, that's quite a tasty lineup. I'm looking forward to this tour. I think there's quite a lot to sink your teeth into there. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not bad. I mean... Uh, better than some. Uh, I'd like to see what that Hiroki Goto uh, show turns out to be. But yeah, I think we got some fun stuff coming up. And, and again, that Stardom show should be pretty fun too, just to, just for the main event alone. So, you know, lots of good things coming up. And we also have two shows in the States this weekend. Are you going to one of these, Dave? Are you going no. to the Philly show? <laughs> okay. oh, that is, I'll take that as a yes. Let me tell have you, you seen the full cards for this yet? Uh Ah, uh, yeah, I have. Uh, 
I'm going to be honest with you. They're not the most exciting of shows, at least lineup wise. I'm not like doing car wheels here. Um, I mean, you can go over the lineup, but it's nothing to to fucking. It's not. It's listen. Twenty three hundred. When New Japan came, used to be a buzzworthy fucking time and i don't i don't man at least four shows in a row um i i'll give you a, a, a once again a definitely maybe um i am in no rush to fucking see this so go ahead give them the lineup but it's I, i'm like really indifferent on it okay well we've got double header this weekend we've got capital collision this is uh, on saturday in washington dc so kickoff matches bad do tito and shane haste against jerrell nelson and royce isaacs don't know what's going on with tito and shane if they are not able to make it to japan for some reason but um at least i'm, I'm pleased to see tito still part of the company still part of tmdk and good to see west coast rest west coast wrecking crew back in action i think that'll be a good match uh, first match we've got dkc clark connors leo rush rocky romero and chuck taylor against Kevin Knight, Gabe Kidd, Mike Bailey, Volador Jr. and Kushida. So interesting to see this is uh, mostly junior heavyweights and with an eye towards better than super juniors. I mean, maybe we might see the likes of Mike Bailey or, or Volador in best of the super juniors. We will see, but um, it's a 10-man Chuck Taylor. tag team match. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but, you know, these, these 10 man tag matches on these strong shows never miss. I'm sure that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, second match, we've got Fred Rossa against Juice Robinson in a singles match. AR Fox against David Finlay. We have the NJPW World TV Championship match with Zach Sabre Jr. defending against Tom Lawler. I think Zach will retain that one and go on to defend it against Jeff Cobb at. On Taku. Uh, fifth match, we've got a special singles match with Tomohiro Ishii versus El Desperado, which uh, mm. have they wrestled before? I think they might have done in, in the New Japan Cup in the last couple of years. Uh, sixth match, we've got Hiromu and Naito against Kanemaru and Sanada, which I think will be really good. Uh, strong Openweight Championship match, Kenta defending against Eddie Edwards. I expect Kenta to def- successfully defend there. And then the Strong Openweight Tag Team Championship match, main event with the champions, Motor City Machine Guns. Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin defending in a three-way match against Aussie Open and Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada. So I don't know, in terms of prediction here, I started to think that the we don't need these strong titles anymore because strong is not strong anymore. For these strong shows, right. we're getting people flying over from Japan. So I would say the smart move would be Aussie Open win and merge the titles. Let's get rid of the strong titles. They were nice to have during the pandemic when we had this weekly strong show, but now that strong is not a thing, too many titles, let's get rid of the titles. So I'm saying Aussie Open to win and merge the two sets of titles. But I quite like this show. This Capital Collision one looks pretty good. I think there's some interesting singles matches, interesting tag matches there. We've got a few title matches. So uh, that one looks good to me. Sure. That one's fine. Uh, there's, there's, there's lots to get excited over if you're in the Washington DC area or, or, willing to drive uh, a little bit to get there. But that's, uh, yeah. I mean, I like the venue too. I think the venue is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. That's okay. Now the next night, why don't you give, her, why don't you give us the Philadelphia lineup? <laughs> okay, collision in Philadelphia. First match, Volador Jr. and El Desperado versus Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Knight what? and Delirious. Okay, terrific. <laughs> 
we have the second match is an ROH pure rules match. Alex Coglin against Tracy Williams. That could be quite good. Um, could be quite good. <laughs> Third match, we have Bad Boot, Tito, Shane Haste, and Zack Sabre Jr. against Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, and Tom Lawler. Fourth match, Rocky Romero and Fred Rosser versus Kanemari and Salada. Fifth match, uh, we've got an injury replacement here. So Eddie Kingston is being replaced by Orange Cassidy against Gabe Kidd. And if Orange Cassidy okay, is still terrific. Atlantic champion at that point, then it will be uh, a title match for that. So he'll be presumably... <laughs> Esther's got no respect for Collision in Philadelphia. So Orange Cassidy versus no. Gabe Kidd, possibly for the title. Sixth match, we've got Hiromu and Tetsuya Naito versus Chase Owens and Kenta. Seventh match, we have IWGP United States Championship number one contenders tournament first round. Lance Archer versus Juice Robinson. So that's the first okay, that's the semifinals. The other semifinal will be at Resurgence next month, which will be Osprey versus Tanahashi. And then the winner of Lance versus Juice will face the winner of Osprey versus Tanahashi at Dominion. And then the winner of that match will presumably go on to challenge Kenny Omega for the US title. I guess it will be Forbidden Door. So we're getting the first leg of that here with Lance versus Juice. And then the main event, Leo Rush, Tomohiro Ishii and Hiroshi Tanahashi against TJP, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. Um, I get, I don't, I'm wondering maybe TJP is a replacement for Osprey. It would have made more sense for Osprey to be in that spot with uh, Aussie Open, but that's that's your main event. So no, not doing cartwheels over this one then. Nah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. All right, very good. <sighs> That's my feelings. No, I can't touch it. What are you touching, Esther? My, your, my eyes. Your eyelashes? Yeah. Ah. Esther, playing with her eyelashes, possibly more fun and interesting than the collision in Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> sure. okay. I mean, what, what about the key matches here? Well, uh, thoughts on this um, United States Championship tournament? So, like I said, one side of the brackets, we've got Lance and Juice. Other side, we've got Osprey and Tanahashi. Winner of that to face Kenny. Um, I mean, I think everyone is kind of circling Will for this spot, right? Um, I, I don't want to say it's a four. Tanahashi. I think Tanahashi yeah. might be a, a, a good match for Forbidden Door. Tanahashi against Kenny. Maybe you save Osprey versus Kenny for Wembley. That could have been the deal. Maybe when they were hashing it out uh, at the end of last year, it was that uh, Osprey Omega 1 is for New Japan at Tokyo Dome and Osprey Omega 2 mm-hmm. is for AW at Wembley. Um, so would, I wouldn't necessarily I mean, it, say that it's a foregone conclusion. I think Tanahashi is not to be ruled out here. It's a good point. It's an absolutely a valid point, and you know that's a big building, Wembley. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a uh, it's pretty big. Uh, a lot of big events happen there. <laughs> um, and if you look in the, the Philip building, how about a hometown boy coming home and putting on a show with uh, Kenneth? Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, you could do, you could do, look, you could run that fucking match a thousand times. I don't think anybody would get sick of it, but yeah, I mean, if you're saving shit for, for the, for the big Wembley show and that's one to save. So yeah, you might be right about that. You might be right. It might, this might be uh Tanahashi's deal. Do you remember when Kenny Omega said he was going to defend the U S title in Japan? 
Do you remember that? <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, yeah, sure. So <laughs> right. he's not going to defend it until Forbidden Door, which is in Canada, <laughs> might add. So that's yeah. two defences in North America within <laughs> the space of six months. So, yeah, good job. And I'm not, again, I'm, not blaming, I'm not even blaming Kenny or AEW for that. It was New Japan chose to put the belt on him. And uh, again, I asked myself, what are New Japan getting out of this? I will, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But again, they do have a fetish for having their secondary titles cucked by foreign wrestlers. So maybe they <laughs> love it. Maybe Geno's watching this with a, a Tenga egg wrapped around his, his member and going, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do I work this? I'm a quarter stroke guy. <laughs> oh, who cares? Um, uh, I'll say uh, Juice. I'm going to say Lance. I think uh, that would be a fun match for Dominion. So if Lance wins this one, then basically he's through to the finals in Dominion. So I think Lance Archer versus... I'm going, to call, I'm going to say it will be a Lance versus Tanahashi final at Dominion. And I think that's something mm-hmm. the Japanese crowd will really enjoy. Yeah. You know, it's probably closer to happening because, uh, I mean, I don't know. Would Juice want to go to fucking Japan um, at this point? So, yeah, you might be right. Okay. Um, no, nah, I'm done. Yeah, me too. I'm fucking spent. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> redtuckle.com forward slash show forward slash super dash J dash cast. We appreciate your financial contributions. Please keep them coming in. Discord link you can get by sending me a direct message on Twitter at Cobra Kawaii and prowrestlingtees.com forward slash super J cast. Thanks to editor Dan. As always, he's on Twitter at lousyhero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the Super J Cast. Thank you everybody for listening and goodbye. What a dummy. 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 Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.